keepers of revival. We only have a few left. And so if you haven't already, huh? We have six left. So the so first come, first serve. So um, make sure you get them um, before you leave today. And then Apostle Joshua Fowler's book, Pause in His Presence. These are two books that are next to my bed. I've read them both. And uh, it's right next to my, my on my little lampstand there. And so I want to encourage you to buy this, these two books, Doorkeepers of Revival and Pause in My Presence. Uh, Zoe and uh, Apostle Fowler both wrote this. And so it's a great book. So I want to encourage you guys to get that. You can also get it on their website, um, uh, of course, as well. So how much are your books, Apostle John? 20 and 15. And uh, yours is... 15. So make sure you get those last six. I'm buying 12, so you can't have my 12. But um, unless, you know, you need it. Uh, yeah. All right, so let's get started. So one of the things, this session is, the vision of this session is to talk about revival. Um, the term is used very loosely in, in the body of Christ. And so we want to talk about it. I want each one here in a moment to share your experience about revival. I'm going to share mine first, and then I'll pass, the, or you can have grab a mic. But I got turned on to revival when I was 18. I guess I was 18. Uh, we went to Brownsville Assembly of God in Pensacola, and uh, we, Jeff and I, we grew up in church. We knew church. We knew um, what it's supposed to sound like, how to fall correctly, how to clap, when to clap, you know, uh, we knew all the, the we knew everything we knew we knew church culture and so but we went to Brownsville it was a whole nother experience and and God moved in and there was a moment that you can find this video online uh, Steve Hill walked up on the platform they sang the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us and that song never stopped and so for the next two hours we would just worship and it was the first time I'd ever heard like angel, 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 angels, and, and it was just crazy. And that was the first time I knew I was ruined for church. One taste of revival will mess you up. One encounter with God will mess you up. And so um, we've never been the same. And so everything that we've done in our life has always been about revival, move of God. Jeff and I started having um, uh, meetings when we were 18 years old, pressing in in southeast Texas in the Golden Triangle for revival for asking God to move, asking God to come, asking God to do something in our region, and we're starting to see some things take place. And so um, so we've been in revival. We love revival. It's who we are as a church. Um, <clears throat> we fight different things, of course. Leaders out of here know we all fight different uh, levels of resistance as you go through um, contending for revival. And so today I want to talk about even leaders out of here. I want to have an open transparent conversation about a move of God. Like, that's going to look different than what the glory field looks like. God moves in different regions, different ways to touch the region. So you don't have to be another fresh start. You don't have to be another glory field. Just be who you are. Let God use you in the, in the revival flow that he's given you. Amen? And so that's what we're learning here at the gathering place is how to just be us. We, we don't need another fresh start, although fresh start's amazing, Yes. Yes, but we don't, we don't need another one. We need you to be who God has created you to be, to release a, a sound, to release something fresh in your region. And so we're going to talk about that today. So um, I guess I'll start off here with uh, Pastor Paul, and we'll just go down, the, go down the line here. And then 
as we're discussing revival, as we're discussing our experiences, uh, either it can be, uh, of course, in, in this regard, it'd be about fresh start, how it started, what happened. And then um, as we're doing that, when you get your question, write it down, and then Sarah will, Zach's going to collect them here in a moment, so uh, uh, we'll go from there. Thank you. I think personally, revival has just always been a part of my DNA because uh, my father was, was somewhat of a revivalist. Um, began ministry and youth ministry and was pursuing revival for our youth ministry. So it's just been a, uh, something that I've kind of grown into, the culture of revival, the pursuit of God. I uh, haven't always done it perfectly, haven't always done it with, with as much passion and zeal as I should. I'll let my wife talk about how revival began at Fresh Start. But, um, you know, you know I, 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 I'm just convinced, and I think it was Leonard Ravenhill that says, you have as much as revival as you want. So I believe revival can come to anyone and can come to any people and can come to any place if, there, if there's enough hunger and enough pursuit. I don't think it's, I, I believe it's a sovereign thing, but I don't believe it's so sovereign that God just interrupts everybody. That, but it comes to the hungry comes to the hungry and so if we can keep it personally stay hungry we'll stay in revival and if we can keep our churches hungry our churches will stay in revival we don't believe revival has to have a three to five year run we believe revival is sustainable we're, we're believing and continuing for revival until jesus comes and uh, so we just got to continue to 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 press and feed our hunger feed our hunger and never get bored with it with the majesty and the beauty of jesus and the power of the holy spirit and what that can do in somebody's life and what that can do in cities and regions and territories. And so that, that's kind of, uh, kind of my, my personal experience. And so I've been in a lot of different revival meetings and had have different, different experiences uh, in revival and in, in, in the Holy Spirit. But uh, just absolutely love what God is doing uh, right now. I love what he's doing in, 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 in Dallas. I love what he's doing here. I just, I just love the fact that, that revival is beginning to erupt. And I don't think it's just beginning to erupt because God's ready to do it. I think it's because the people of God are getting desperate. And that desperation is pulling on heaven. And, and strategic spots, God is beginning to loose the fire revival again. So basically, uh, Fresh Start Revival um, came out, was birthed out of, out of desperation. I said a little bit about it this morning. I think I did anyway, a little tidbit of... Uh, just a, a place of desperation that we had come to. We were very frustrated, my husband and I personally, with the um, the state of the Pentecostal church, the Pacific domination that we're in uh, as well. And we were just very frustrated with the growth systems and things like that where things, you know, uh, really taking the move of the Holy Spirit, altars away, um, encounter with God, you know, the whole thing like that. And I don't need to belabor that because I talked about it uh, a, a little bit this morning, but off and on, but... Um, we just kind of hit that low place. We had we had been through uh, a good number of um, attacks of the enemy. Um, once again, not to take time to name all of it, but it was just you name it, and just seemed like we had been facing it. Uh, whether it was personal attacks, mentally, physically, uh, you know, for my husband, some physical things with me as well, and um, then our corporate attacks and things like that. And so, um, you know, uh, I quote a man in my book, which, by the way, our story is pretty much the book there, and I've I've wo I've wo woven um, revelatory uh, downloads that that I've gotten over these the years of sustained revival. 
in through our story because I feel like our story can help you. And one of the things about doorkeepers, and I know Pastor John keeps saying you don't want to be another fresh start, and by, by no means am I uh, saying that not, you know, uh, contrary to that because I understand what he's saying. Everybody's sound and maybe, uh, you know, how, how it looks may look different. But what the Lord led, I believe, us into in the mantle of the, in the birthing and the, of revival was to literally become a protocol for building and sustaining revival within the local church. Because as my husband just said, you know, it's years, five years, maybe at the most. But I believe that Jesus is coming back after a church in revival. So if he's coming back and revival being the sustained presence and power of God, that results in transformation. So if he's coming back for a church in revival, then we're going to have to know not only how to birth it, but how to build it and sustain it. And so that was the purpose of Doorkeepers of Revival, one of the main purposes in teaching not only pastors, but but uh, folks like yourself, what, do, what is my part to play in in hosting a sustained revival? Okay, there will be many outpourings, you know, God will bring outpourings, strategic outpourings, but we need to learn how to sustain that until Jesus comes. And so we came to that very low place at the end of 2012. Um, God did a, uh, and I'm not going to tell the whole story, but um, God did a real, uh, what I call just a prophetic miracle moment for my husband and I as we had really planned our um, exit strategy uh, uh, out of the church there. And we were going into our staff that day, and we began to whine and complain about this and that and the other. And um, don't look at me like you've never whined and complained. Come on. And uh, our staff just listened to us, as a staff will do. Come on. And uh, has to. And then they begin to speak up in, in what I call now, they begin to speak words of life and prophesy over us. They begin to prophesy to the DNA of revival that was on the inside of us. And they begin to say one after the other in their own very kind and loving ways, um, but very direct. Pastor Paul, Pastor Kim, we see this. We see that God's not done. We know this looks bad. We know that looks, you know, um, uh, that's frustrating. But God's not finished. He's got you going to move you into this, that, and the other. And prophetic declaration shortly thereafter that says this. This day we fight for what we're mantled to be. This day we fight for what we're mantled to be. Uh, the name of our uh, school of revival is called Mantled for that very purpose. Uh, we're mantled for revival, and we started to fight for it. And let me tell y'all, it's a fight, but it's worth the fight. And we're still fighting for it today. It's not that we don't have revival. It's just that, as I preached this morning, we're keeping the heavens open. Amen. And so we began our trek into that in 2013, 14. Um, 2015 revival broke out in August. Um, here's one significant thing, and I'll pass it to Pastor Rochelle, is that we had Pastor John Kilpatrick, the general of the Brownsville Revival, come to us at Pentecost Sunday of 2015. Um, this was before revival broke out, about three months or so. He, after service that day, this was the first time we had met him personally um, and had him at our church. He sat down with my husband and I, and he said, your church is in the threshold of revival. This is why I talk about threshold so much in, when it con, uh, is connected to revival. And we took that. I mean, when a general of revival looks at you, come on, that has hosted one of the most, most powerful moves of God in our nation. He says, your church is in the threshold of revival. We begin to say, okay, bless God, we've got to get across this threshold, you know. And so the next two or three months bore that out. And in August of 2015, um, from Pentecost Sunday to August of 2015, um, we saw, we crossed over that threshold, and uh, it was in a youth and young adult conference that a revival broke out, um, electric atmosphere, 
uh, loud as I don't know, being all over the place under the power of God. It was August in Phoenix, Arizona. Come on, somebody. It was hot. The air conditioner wasn't working right, but we didn't care because God was moving. Amen. And so Isaiah Saldivar was our evangelist that, that night. And in the altar call, the last thing that he said before he turned the microphone to my husband, he said, not knowing what Pastor John Kilpatrick had prophesied to us or spoke to us, he said, this church has just stepped through the threshold. And that was the marking moment right there. And we've never looked back since. And now we're trying to help people, teach people how to sustain, birth, build, and sustain revival. We're the newbies up here. <laughs> um, I'm not probably going to offer a whole lot, but just to say this, um, I was raised around the fire of God, so it's left me hungry for the fire of God. And so let me just say this one thing to a parent in this room, maybe one of you, that if you're going, I don't know if I want to bring my kid, drag them, drag them. My mama dragged me. Drag your kid to church. Oh, they don't, they don't want it. I don't care if they want it. Get them in the atmosphere. Put them around an atmosphere where there's fire and give them a longing for so they can be hungry for it. They're not going to be hungry for it if you never put it on the table. So um, we, I was raised around the fire, um, praise God. And so it's given me a longing for fire. I had been around many um, revivals in the past. And um, from going into a season where we were in the middle of a transition and Justin started to feel a real call on um, planting a church, and I binded that spirit very, very quickly. <laughs> and... Um, and I was tired of hearing about how Harry Potter was okay. I'm really not going to apologize for this. And I'm, I'm tired of hearing about how pastors are okay with drinking. I really wasn't okay with that. And so I got about done with all of it. And I was like, where is holiness back in the church? Where is the hunger back in the church? And so therefore, we, um, in a very, very long pursuit of praying, fasting, and asking for many, 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 many confirmations. <laughs> um, I got to make sure that's in there. Um, you know, I, I was not looking to start a church. I want to make sure that's very clear in here. Um, but I can speak to maybe the baby stage. Well, they can all speak. Hello. They can speak way more into all that than I can. But I wanted God. And I wanted God in my region. And I wanted God in my territory. And, yes, signs, wonders, and miracles are amazing. Come on. And that is an evidence of what happens when the presence of God comes in. But I wanted lives transformed ultimately. And I wanted people to have an encounter with God. Because once you get, have the presence of God and they get in the presence of God, their lives begin to become transformed. And that was everything to us. And we really wanted to be a place where God's glory cannot visit but dwell. And so we wanted to be a dwelling place where God could come and dwell in our place and in our city. And people, we would be known not by just people, but I wanted to be known by the police department where they come in and go and help us. We don't know what's going on. I, I, I wanted that, you know. Um, I'm a, I'm, we're avid readers of revival history, and so I know how that takes place and that happens. Um, I will say that much advice, I, remain, I have to remain hungry myself. And she preached on this so much this morning that if I could say one thing that really has launched us past, you know, the, just the desire of the idea of a revival church is teaching your people to pray. 
um, teach your people to pray and teach them the secret place. If I could teach them anything, that was the most important thing. And we launched a thing called Prayer Force. My Prayer Force leader is actually here with me this morning. And um, we launched a thing called Prayer Force. I did very, very, very extensive teaching into Prayer Force and to teach them how to create atmosphere and how to shift it. What does a secret place look like and how to literally live in that. And that was the most important thing. We are not called to be, and she said this, but you know, I, I say this all the time. We are not called to be houses of all the things and all the things. We are to be called houses of prayer. And that was the mandate. If we're going to actually come and see God move, we better be people of prayer. You want to see a revival happen? You better be people of prayer. And you want it to sustain? You better be people of prayer. And so um, we kind of did something a little probably not norm. Um, I'm actually very much for this, um, about having guest speakers come on. We just had, you know, them come, so I'm not obviously opposed to that. But we did not want to build a culture based on um, people coming in. I needed, and that's not probably forever, but at the baby core stage of what we were in and, and we're at, I needed my people to be able to sustain past the guest speaker. And so in order for that to happen, I didn't want them to live on a revival high. I needed them to know that there was no end in sight to what we're pursuing. And so I couldn't ling because you are fasting. My prayer team is called to pray at least two times a week and fast two times a week. And so therefore they have learned to actually learn how to sustain that past a guest speaker. Coming. So when they come in, they're not glorifying a guest speaker. They already are there for the presence of Jesus. That was the most important thing to them. And so um, that's not saying that's forever. I just want to make sure that's clear. And I, hello, I'm a, I went to Brownsville. Steve Hill broke that thing open after much prayer beforehand, but I want to make sure we wanted it to be something of pure hunger from the people, not something of someone else coming in trying to shake them up and rattle them, which we're all for. Um, I don't want to sound like I'm contradicting that, but um, pursue the presence of God. Pursue the presence of God. Pursue the presence of God and teach your people to pray. Um, it, it is, it is um, something we've pushed into. It's not something that's easy come by. And, you know, prayer has been shoved out so much. And prayer has been pushed aside too much. Almost like, oh, those two crazy people, they're just going to be the intercessors. And that's how it's going to be. No, the whole church is to have them. I really want to get up now. But the whole church is have the mandate of prayer. Yes, there are intercessors and the gift of intercession. But the people, we are to be people of prayer. Come on. Amen. I don't know what to say after that. But, but uh, yeah, good afternoon. Um, yeah, we pastor Freedom House together uh, in Tumble. I was like, man, that seems so not me. That is like not me. That's not my jam. That's not my flavor. I don't really like getting in front of people. I don't really like talking all that much. So anyway, y'all see, y'all don't know that, but some of y'all do know that about me, and you're like, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Uh, so anyway, when we were going through, I was like, I really felt strongly. Uh, there's a Smith Wigglesworth quote, and it's kind of like the basis for like the three things we talked about to be a spirit-filled, Bible-based, and revival-driven church. Because he prophesied when when the word comes together with the spirit, there's going to be the greatest revival that the world has ever known. And so that was kind of the basis for kind of what we said. You know, we want to have, yes, we want to be filled with the spirit. We need, we want to be filled with the spirit of God, but we also need to be balanced with the word because that's the sword of the spirit. We got to know how to fight, right? And that's actually the word for our year 
was freedom fighters. We felt strong. This is a time to fight and press. And so we've been pressing hard into that. And so after this past year, we've been pushing. This year, we've been fighting in the spirit. And, and we've been starting to see, I would say, from the past six months or so, uh, some of the things that we kind of had envisioned from day one starting to happen and manifest. I mean, we 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 came in so full of faith on the first day. I'm just going to confess to y'all. I mean, I was so naive, and I was like, God, we're going to start a church, and it's going to be overflowing on day one. There's going to be people out in the street, but we are now starting to see almost every single service, people getting filled with the Holy Spirit, people getting healed. I'm talking healings, people getting delivered, radically delivered at the altar, uh, not in a back room, mind you. I'm not talking about, hey, let's, hey, you want to, you want to, you want to get filled with the spirit? Okay, send me an email and we'll like meet in secret. Oh no, you want the Holy Ghost? You come right here. Come right now. It's right here. Oh, you want to get delivered? Y'all go get a bucket because it's going to get messy up in here. You better get some tissues and someone's about to get free. Yeah, it's going to sound nuts, but guess what? That's the sound of freedom. That's the sound of freedom. So I'm just, I praise God for everything that he's been doing. And I just want to encourage y'all. It's been a journey for us. Um, and I know everyone up here could probably say the same thing. It's a journey. It's hard. The warfare is crazy. It's, it's more, mm, it's more than what you think it should be, but it is worth it when you start to see things finally start to break. When you finally see things start to break, and that's like, don't get discouraged in the waiting. Don't get discouraged in the tarrying. Don't get discouraged while you're praying and you haven't seen it yet because it's coming. There's promises that you stand on if you don't give up, if you don't faint, if you don't quit, you will see it. You stand on the word and push it through. You said you had something else? is we started by saying, you know, we were not the first people out there, but we will be the last. There will, we will be the people who will hold that door open. And, um, and I will say this, you can learn a lot of things, especially from them, but you've got to fight for yourself. They can't do it for you. They can't, do, you got to go apply it and do it yourself. So good. Well, I'm Zoe. It's nice to meet everybody. You all look beautiful. I just want to first honor everybody here. You guys are all such wonderful men and women of God. I'm honored to be on this panel with you. I know I'm the youngest on this panel. And so my experience revival looks a little bit different. Like I hear your stories and I'm reading like God's generals. And last year, the Lord really started speaking to me about endurance. Like what does it mean to run this race with endurance? Has anybody ever asked this, this question? What does it mean to run with endurance? Like I don't just want to start well. I don't want to just start revival. I want to make it last. Like, I want to walk each step. And I saw this modeled, like, in my dad. And I'm not here. He didn't pay me to say this. But as a young girl, um, even this morning, I was meditating on the last chapter of 2 Samuel, where David says, I'm not going to give you an offering that doesn't cost me something. I'm not going to give you an offering that doesn't cost me something. And as a young girl, eight, nine years old, I can recall the Lord gripping my heart with hunger. And I remember one time I got out of the car, a long trip to the beach, and uh, I said to my dad, I just finished Revelation. <laughs> and he was like, you did what? <laughs> I was like so young and I was so hungry for the word. And he was like, you read the book. So what did you think? And I was like, wow, I love Jeremy. And revival is a man and his name is Jesus. Oh, yeah. 
Revival is a man. His name is Jesus. And we exalt him in any place revival comes. Acts 2, when we're at one accord. That's what I love here. We're seeing one accord. Different sounds, different places, different backgrounds, different places. You all came from a different story. Your story is different. But we're coming in one accord. We're releasing one sound. And that's when the mighty rushing wind and flames like tongues of fire, you know, over our heads. That's what I'm believing. And so I saw that modeled in my dad of sacrificial giving, that laying down your life, laying down everything. And like, that's what it's looked like to me going to the secret place. Like revival is the secret place. Revival is coming in, tucking away. Even when you don't feel the doodads, even when you don't have, you know, any pastors up here telling you pray and you're, and you're just in your, I don't feel nothing. It's not a feeling. Revival isn't a feeling. Revival isn't when you feel good. Revival isn't when you feel bad. Revival is just every day waking up saying, like we said this morning, I'm going to strike the ground until I see revival. I'm going to strike the ground until I see revival. And that's what's been just burned inside of my heart. Like in the past 24 days, this is the last thing I'll say, and I'll hand it to my dad with the, with the stories and the history that I've gotten to glean from. But, you know, the last 24 days, we started this tent revival uh, just north of Denton. And I've seen my dad so sensitive to the presence of God, so sensitive. For nine days, we started, and and he just said yes to Jesus. When you just wake up and say, one more day, Lord. (laughs) One more day. I say yes. So just say that. Say yes. Again, and and I, uh, one more thing. (laughs) I, one time in my dorm at Christ for the Nations Institute, I um, was pacing, I was pacing the room with the Lord. I'm just going to do this. I was pacing in the room, and I was 21 at the time. I said, at 22, I'm going to seek you more than when I'm 21. At 23, I'm going to seek you more than I'm 22. At 24, I'm going to seek you more than I'm 23. I went all the way, all the way till I was 90 years old. I don't know how long. Should the Lord tarry? Should, should whatever happens in my life? I said, every day. And so I just encourage you, declare that over yourself every day. Don't settle for anything less than being hungry than that first love flame. Come on. Revival is Jesus. Boy, doesn't that stir you up? Revival is a man. His name is Jesus. Wow. Well, I'm not going to go a long time because I know you've got questions. But this is something the Holy Spirit asked me to ask of people. He said, how bad do you want revival? What price are you willing to pay for it? To what extent are you willing to go for revival? Revival never goes on sale. It's never a cheap bargain basement. It will cost you everything. You might can rummage through a garage sale and find a treasure, but you can't do that with revival. Revival costs you everything. Between your generation and my generation, he said, you pray until you get through. He said, we prayed until we prayed through. My granddaddy said they would pray all night long. For weeks, for months, they would gather under the brush arbors. They didn't have a tent like we have in Texas. They didn't have this AC. The farmers would come out of the fields and they would put up corner posts and they would hold on to the horns of the altar until God <laughs> come and overtook the place. 
that's what burns in me. I can remember driving my granddaddy when he was in his 90s to preach. I can remember my grandfather looking over at me when he was 92 saying, I'm going to go tell these old people about Jesus. <laughs> he tried to retire twice, and he said, I can't retire. I have to refire. <laughs> but man, my granddaddy started out preaching with Dr. Lester Summerall and they were preaching under these brush arbors in Panama City, Florida, and all over the bay. And he said, whole cities, whole towns would get saved. Saved. He'd start preaching under a brush arbor, and hundreds of people would come. And I had listened to my granddaddy testify. And I said, I've got to have it. i got to have it in my generation. I want my kids to have it. I want them to hear this gospel. And and all I've known is to pursue revival, pursue his presence. That's what I've known. And I've not always saw it. I feel like a lot of places I've went, I've had a defibrillator and <coughs> trying to shock people back alive. But now I feel it. I smell it. I taste it. I hear it. I sleep it. I wake it. Every day. Every day I've, I'm, I'm in awakening. Awakening's not coming, it's here. Revival's not coming, it's here. This has been the problem with most of the church. I think most of the church always puts off for another day instead of taking ownership of our day, of what's to happen now. We always say someday, one day. But you know what God told me? He said, your someday is today. Claim your revival now. The wave's here. The sets are coming in. I used to surf. I used to be a lifeguard. And I can tell you, if you're going to surf a wave, you don't wait till the wave forms. You get out in the water, and you look for it, and you start paddling before it comes. And the sets are crashing over America. For every city, every nation, right now it's just... People are just letting them pass them by. User-friendly, seeker-sensitive, 13 minutes of worship, man's agenda. We're missing them. Are there any people that will pull, people that will push? And I'm telling you, I'm surfing a wave right now in a field. this wave's going to go, but I'm going to keep surfing it. <laughs> and God wants you to surf. He wants you to get in his presence. He wants you to go, to go for him. You know what he said to me last year, this month, last year, he said, the revival that most people want is the preacher they want. It's the song that they want. It's in the building they want. It's when they want it, how they want it, how long they want it. But he said, revival's not going to come that way. He said, I didn't come to Azusa that way. I didn't come to the Welsh revival that way. And I will not come and visit my people that way again. It's not going to come the way you want it. It's going to come when you humble yourself and you're so hungry and you're so desperate that you just, you can't, you can't leave. 
you can't leave without more. Just lift your hands right now. I know I'm not supposed to be preaching. I'm preaching tonight. Oh, but I believe revival's here. Revival's here. Revival's not an event. It's not a series of meetings. Revival is here. Steve Hill was saved under my father-in-law's ministry. It's happening. I've been there. I was in Toronto. I've been there. We got to stop looking for it to look like anything else, and we just got to go for God. Most of you would have never, it, based upon what we see in America today, the mega church mentality. Most of us would miss Azusa because it comes through somebody that we didn't think looked good enough. There was no, he didn't have enough Facebook followers. He doesn't have enough Instagram followers. He doesn't have enough likes. A, a man with one blind, blind eye with a light bulb hanging down above an upright piano with a few people crying out for more of God. What does revival look like to you? I think we think it's a fog show and it's lights. But no, it's the glory. It's the glory. Come on, just lift your hands. Do you want it? He's here right now. <laughs> All you have to do is reach out and grab him. Jesus, we want you. We want you. We want you and nothing else. We will not settle for less. We want you. We want full-blown revival. The Lord showed me over 30 years ago, coming to America, and he showed me people jumping ditches into church parking, getting out of their cars. This is why I've been arrested. He showed me people getting out of their cars, and they would fall on their face on the ground, and they cried out to God, whole cities will be overtaken with revival. I'm not giving you hype. I'm telling you what I saw. And then he began to tell me, he said, I'll fill the fields with my glory. I'll fill the fields with my glory. And the young and the old will dance together. And signs and wonders will break out. And it'll be like Woodstock. The people will gather, but they'll not gather for a concert. They'll gather for me. So I began to prophesy that. For 20 years now, I've been prophesying it. And then three years ago, he came to me and he said, I'm looking for a field. I'm looking for a field. He took me for a walk in the heavens. And he said, find me a field. The next night he came back and he said, find me a field. So I've been driving and I took my daughters and my kids and we drove all over Dallas looking for a field. And then I finally found the field. He said, find me a field, fill it with people and I'll fill it with my glory. And so that's what we're endeavoring to do. We're at the, the beginning stages. But can I tell you, people are coming they're falling. We had two lesbians come to the tent because they thought it was a bar. Got saved. We've had people bring their grandchildren because they were in Methodist churches and they didn't know the power and they saw the tent and remembered that they had been to a meeting when they were a kid. Somebody can cast the devil out of my grandson. And we've been casting devils out of grandchildren and kids and people. Isaiah 35. And that's what we're declaring our highway is a highway of holiness. It's Isaiah 35. The, the lame will walk. The dumb will talk. The blind will see. The deaf will hear. And like she said today, pools. Come on, how many are ready for those rivers? 
so if you if you think of us and if you want to come we got something called the texas tent revival somebody said how long you going i don't know maybe till jesus comes here right now I lift your hands everybody lift your hands come on father we just want more of you more of you none of us and all of you none of us and all of you none of us and all of you none of us all of you thank you father thank you so much you know one of the things that 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 we have to get over as as um, believers is our mindsets is what we th- how we think church ought to be church should be quiet and reverent and holy yeah you're right but it's also loud <laughs> we can't look at church through a lens that we grew up with God's doing a new thing and I want to challenge us for your business Get your voice back. Get your roar back. Scream and holler at the devil. Well, it doesn't take all that, Pastor John. Yeah, it does. Yes, it does. Your puny little voice ain't doing anything right now. Right? Your son, you know, you got, you got to, you got to, you got to declare a thing. You got to decree a thing. And I've had to do it many times. And I've had to yell and scream in my apartment, wherever I was, to let, make sure the enemy knows, do you hear me? Today's your last. This is it. You got to get aggressive in your praise and in your worship. You can't just, you know, you got to change your mindset is what I'm saying. We, 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 have, we, have, we have been desensitized by antichrist spirit in the church. That has said you don't, you don't you can't jump you can't you can't pray in tongues. It's a, a it, that's a demonic system, an antichrist system. And if your church does that, you need to run. If your church puts Holy Ghost in the corner somewhere, get out. Well, hallelujah. My conference, I'll say what I want to say. I'm not trying to be ugly. Don't say Pastor John's rude. I'm not. I'm just trying. I want to provoke you. I want you to get hungry. I want you to get hungry. There's more. Don't just stop contending. Well, I didn't feel a goose bump Sunday morning. If you're measuring God's glory on a goose bump, you done lost your mind. Lost your mind. He's more than a goose bump. He's the fullness. We got to get out of the way. We have to get out of the way and let God be God. And so, um, and that's and that's and that's what the church. When I grew up in church, we didn't leave till two or three in the afternoon. And anything at any moment could happen. At any moment, the preacher could be preaching. All of a sudden, a wave hits the building, and people are, are shouting and screaming and running around. That was church. And now we're scared to say amen half the time. We got to change. We got to change our mindsets. We got to we got to start speaking to our region. Region. Come alive. Church, come alive. We, can't, we, we shouldn't have to, have, to, have to deal with dead church. A silent church is a dead church. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, let me get off my soapbox. I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, we, need the, we need the real church to stand up. 
full of power, full of glory, full of the fullness, and this other fake antichrist system, we've got to start speaking to it. Speak it to it in love and confront it. You're a, you're a, you're you're you have no power. That that system. We need to let, we need to start saying the God, not some man-made. I don't want to start calling names, but we got to be. We need, we need to grow up in this. This is this is a new day. This is a, we need to cross over the threshold in Southeast Texas and begin to really push and contend for what God has for us. And if we're just going to gather here and not do anything afterwards, then if we've wasted our time. So we got to push in that. And that's what we're going to do. You know, we're going to start having open heaven regional meetings where we just push and contend and cry and scream and just go after the glory. And so um, uh, I just want to encourage you guys that, that, that what we're talking about, to, to, to put it into practice in your life. Read, study the word, prophesy over your, in, in the secret place. Live in the secret place. That's where you can have your personal revival, in the secret place. If you're not in personal revival, then you're not going to experience a corporate revival. It's got to start off in your secret place. And when you're in when your prayer chamber, where just you and Jesus, and y'all are communing together, and y'all are fighting together, and contending together, we contend from the place of victory. We know it's already been won, right? But we, but we have to let we have to push back the forces of evil. And so, hallelujah. Question number one: Why aren't there more church bodies? Open to regional revival. Well, theme is most folks want to just come in for thirty minutes and leave. There's no hunger, and depending on the church that you go to. If you're going to a mega church, you're going to be in and out in thirty minutes most of the time. You get thirteen minutes of worship, ten minutes of offering, a twenty-five minute message, and you're out. Um, there is no time to, if you have multiple services, there's not going to be time to, for the spirits to move. I remember growing up, we had two services, an 8.30 and 10.30, and in our 8.30 service, people would be laid out on the, on the carpet while the 10.30 folks were coming in. So we understood how to flow in the spirit and partner with the Holy Ghost into services. Nowadays, we don't see that. We see people herding out people out one side of the door and getting other people come in the other side of the door. And so I think, I think a lot of times that... Uh, most churches are trying to build a church rather than build the kingdom. And we're trying to grow our church, get rear ends in the seats, and get more money in our offering, offering plate. And that's why I think we're not seeing regional revival. And I think also what we're seeing locally, is, and here what we're seeing is local pastors come together finally to cry out for more. And we're beginning to work together, Pastor Surratt, the Blanchards down in Nederland. We're all coming together and we're working together to to cry out for more. Because if we're not doing it together, then it's not going to happen regionally. So I see God really beginning to move upon the hearts of the pastors. And God's really doing a fresh work uh, through us. And so I think we're going to start seeing some more things transpire over the next couple of years. Good job with that. Um, why aren't there more church bodies open to regional revival? Uh, probably because leadership is not taking them there. Um, if you're talking about a local church moving into revival, it will begin at the top. Yep. It will begin with the men and the, and the woman of God that has been set there by the Holy Spirit. I know a lot of people come to our revival, and, I, and I'm sure the other revivals, and they say, I'm going to take this to my church. Mm -hmm. The first question I always ask them, where's your pastor at? Right. 
Does he want revival? Does he want revival? And uh, so, so it always begins there as far as a local church. Um, and so I think if, we, if, if, if the hearts of, of church leadership will begin to be stirred, begin to cry out, uh, I think regional revival can come anywhere, anywhere where people are crying out and people are hungry. Anybody else want to share on that one? Okay. No? Next one. How do you know when the revival of the church is real or in the flesh? Well, the fruit's going to speak for itself. Our soul's being saved. Number one, deliverance is taking place. Um, are they hiding in the back corner? I mean, you know, if it's a true revival, there's, no, there's not going to be, you're not going to be embarrassed by the Holy Ghost in true revival. And unfortunately, in the, in the church, in the American church, people, most pastors are embarrassed to have the Holy Ghost do his work in, out in the open. And so a revival church, you, there's no embarrassment from you. Um, I would say <clears throat> yes to that. Um, if, and yes, the fruit, obviously, you want to look for long-term fruit. But for real revival, you want to see Jesus being exalted and lifted up. Yeah. Real revival is going to magnify and lift up Jesus. He's going to be exalted in that place. He's going to be exalted in that region. And he's going to be the main thing that people are going to start to be manifesting in their lives. Besides, you know, signs and wonders, which is great. You know, he, the Holy Spirit can manifest any way he wants to, which I think that's part of that fruit too. You know, I, how many church services do you go to and it's like you don't see anything happen? You can pretty much say like the script of exactly what's going to happen minute by minute. And it's like, but when a real revival happens, you, do, you don't know. You don't know exactly what's going to happen. He might come and hit you right before you're about to give the message, and he's like, oh, now you're going to go over here, and you're going to start doing an altar call right here, or you're going to start giving a word right over here, and it's not going to look the same. So I think, I think just um, that spontaneous flowing with the Holy Spirit, I think that's going to be a manifestation and, yeah, lives being transformed in the long term too. Okay. Um, next question, how do you deal with, with religious mindset without hurting feelings. <laughs> and that religion, man. Oh, it's just not going to happen. Uh, the, 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 for those who know, I've just been a pretty long series of messages about the spirit of religion, religious spirit. And it is, it is in my opinion, the most, uh, the greatest enemy of revival. Um, it does, the greatest enemy of revival is not out in the world and all, you know, the, uh, even the ranks of darkness. I mean, we've been given victory over that. But this this evil spirit, uh, this religious spirit, which is not mentioned in the Bible as a spirit called by name, but yet you see from Old to New Testament the manifestations and the characteristics of this spirit, um, especially in Jesus confronting the Pharisees, the Sadducees, etc. And and um, and this is the bottom line. Any time that Jesus confronted it, it was very firm. It was very straightforward. Uh, it was offensive to them. Um, he made no bones about it. He laid it down. You know, the people that, uh, well, don't get me started. But anyway, I don't want to digress from the original question, but um, it, you, 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 you will offend a religious spirit. Revival will always offend a religious spirit. They are antagonistic. They are opposite. Um, a religious spirit will get offended because it's mimicking or want, has uh, tried to uh, 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 create a form of what c 
could possibly revival is. And so when it is truly confronted by the real thing, it will get offended, right? And um, that's just kind of the bottom line. Hopefully, I could say a whole lot more, but um, uh, to revival, it, it will lull you to sleep. It will cause you to think you're okay when you're not. Um, it is very sneaky. Jesus called it like leaven. And if you don't know what leaven was uh, at, the, at the core, is it looked exactly like the other, except it was of the wrong, another substance, and it would infiltrate and puff up, making the other stuff become like it. So that there should tell you um, uh, how, you know, serious it is. And so, um, so, you know, here's my thing. You don't, you don't offend, you don't disrespect a human being. You respect their humanity. You respect them as another, you know, woman or, or man, or, uh, 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 of course. But um, you do not tolerate a religious spirit. And so um, you can be firm and direct and uh, let the chips fall where they may. That's what we do at Fresh Start. Religious devils. I had one friend say, uh, it's just flesh and devils. You have to deal with it when you're in church. Somebody said, well, Christian can't have devils. Well, I think a lot of devils have Christians <laughs> ride them horseback to church every Sunday. So I can tell you there is, like she said, I don't think there's any way to do it without offending a religious, but you, you do want to offend religious spirits you, you want to confront them Jesus always would deal with that that way bring a whip to the house that's how he dealt with religion the Pharisees and the Sadducees he would I'm in services when there's a religious spirit a lot of times I'll just speak right to that thing Ptolemaic preaching you preach to the territorial spirit it's in a territory you have to govern the heavens and speak to it apostolically, prophetically. So you can't tiptoe around a religious spirit. You can't please a religious spirit. You'll never do it. You'll, you, you can't. I, I tell people this. You're going to like me or you're going to hate me. There is no middle ground with me. I will activate you or agitate you. Yeah, that's, that's who I am. And I don't, you know, I, I, I love Jesse Duplantis. He's a friend. He's preached for us. And I wish I could have that. Jesus loves Jesse or Joel. I tell people, my name is Joshua. I got a J in there. I could be <laughs> Joyce and everybody, but there's something about me. I go in like a jackhammer and deal with that wrong spirit. But you you need to offend religion. It, go ahead and get it out of the way. It's, 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 your service will be much freer. If you're wanting to be a revival church, they that love his word are not easily offended. So people that are, they have a lack of word level in their life, they're easily offended. So if you deal with that, if you baby that and coddle that in your church, you're always going to stay at a low level milk toast word in your church. So you have to bring people up and say, no, we're not babes. We have these terms, religion and religious spirit. But uh, it, the reason why it's antagonistic, and I believe the primary enemy to revival is that it wants to stifle it wants you to settle. It wants you to create something that mimics the real thing, but yet is not, so it's form without power. It keeps people from entering the more 
of who Jesus is and what Jesus wants to. I mean, just think about the the, the gospels. Jesus coming with with what he was going to usher uh, uh, everyone into, and they were they were resisting it. They were keeping people out. They weren't going in, and they were keeping people from entering into the more that Jesus had. And so, if you sense that, that's why our our, our intercessors open our services at Fresh Start, and inevitably they're going to deal with the religious spirit because we don't tolerate it. As Pastor just said, you have to confront them. And so, I just wanted to clarify for some who may you know not quite know exactly what does that mean. The religious spirit is going to come in, and it is going to blatantly hinder atmosphere. It's going to hinder uh, your heart. It's going to hinder you from walking through the door of glory into the more that God has. That's what happened in the, with the Pharisees and, and the other uh, you know things throughout the Bible, but that's just how you recognize it. And here's the thing, guys. We've got to constantly check our hearts that we don't, that we don't move into that because any encounter that we have, if we're not careful and we don't keep that raw pride, then it can move into a religious spirit, into a religious uh, activity. Are you, are you hearing what Last Revival says more right here? That's right. I add this one thing. Religious, when casting out devils over the years, and we've done it all over the world, and the Holy Spirit says, we, the two spirits that are the hardest that I've dealt with is homosexuality and, and religious spirit. A religious spirit will literally hold open the door like a doorstop and acts like it's free. And other devils can keep coming back in. And you can cast the devil out of a person and the demons will ground rob him back through. And you wonder why. How does that thing keep coming back? Because a religious spirit will literally set up a doorstop and keep people down. So that's why you have to confront that spirit. It's part of the apostolic grace upon a revival church. It's part of that prophetic punch. You have to confront it. And it will always seek its own. It's like it mirrors homosexuality. Homosexual, I'm just going to say this, and you can get upset if you want, but I'm going to preach the truth. Homosexuality cannot reproduce. Lesbianism cannot reproduce, nor can religion. Religious spirits will not reproduce. They can't reproduce revival. So they have to act like something they're not. They masquerade. So if you can cast that spirit out, then your reproductive organs of your church will come alive and you'll start winning souls and the move of God will take place. What's an example of a religious person? And I, I hate to be the one that steps on toes all the time, but um, an example of a religious person would be that person that sits in the congregation on a Sunday morning and refuses to participate. Refuses. The preacher to be saying, Lift your hands. Well, I don't feel led to lift my hands. You have, the, you have this snooty little attitude. No, we're supposed to come to the house of the Lord joyful and with gladness and in humility and surrender everything. You should be, that should be the kind of lifestyle that you live anyway. But especially when you come corporately, you're coming corporately to be refreshed and to be renewed and to be revived so that you can go out into all the world and preach the gospel and be Jesus with skin on. And so religious, a religious person will refuse to participate. They're a spectator. They're a spectator and not a participator. So when your preacher, your, when, your, when your pastor encourages you and provokes you and to, to, to go for more, go for it. Put your feelings aside and just go for it. There's a reason why they're on, behind that sacred desk 
trying to push. They feel something. There's something stirring in the atmosphere, and they want you to get it. But you can't get it until you tap into it. So you got to do something, even if you don't feel like you got to pass over that threshold. And I can promise you, God will meet you there. So that's just a, an example. Yes, you know. His clothes off when he brought the ark of the Lord back. So I'm not saying anyone should dance their clothes off for sure, but I am saying that is not irreverent to go crazy and shout and praise and literally give God the high praise is what we teach at our church. And I know many others up here, but we also lift a shout. The scripture says so. It's just applying what the word says. You're just actually applying what you're actually activating what the word of God says. You're just taking it and actually applying it and literally coming into a corporate legislation and coming into alignment and coming into agreement so then you as a body of an ecclesia can be a, bo a battering ram in the spirit and actually begin to take territory okay next question coming from a position of never seeing or experiencing revival what is the process of revival and what are the typical components of revival coming from from a position of never seeing or experiencing revival, what is the process of revival, and what are the typical components of revival? Hunger and desperation. And um, you, you, that's when you, you have to start with that, and you have to keep that forever. I'll say something similar. I, I write about it in the book. I call it the Triple H principle. It's honor and it's humility or a culture of humility and then you'll you'll constantly pursue more i was actually going to say humility and uh hunger and holiness there's no revival without repentance matter of fact that's where all authentic revivals begin repentance god moved our church through a season of repentance at the very beginning of what we're experiencing now and, and it never stops. I say it like this. If you're going to be a revivalist, you have to learn how to live under the blessed weight of conviction. Because you will live in a state of conviction. Because the closer you get to God, the more he begins to uh, reveal and to peel back things. And so you've got to go to the place. Repentance is, is a lifestyle, not an event. And that, I believe, is, is, is a huge part of getting revival started and then sustaining revival to, to uh, what Apostle uh, Joshua was uh, mentioning. A lot of the revivals in history that you can look through and awakenings, people would just confess, just break out into repentance and confessing. Uh, even where Zoe has went to school with CFNI, they can point back to a time years ago where a student came in and just started confessing about lustful thoughts and how it wrecked the school and people stayed for hours and confessed sin in like Dutch Sheets and Rick Pino and Terry Job and for that culture of repentance and Zoe Fowler. <laughs> I had to put her there. But but the culture of repentance, I believe that, Pastor. That's powerful. Next question. How do you deal with the spirit of Jezzy, aka Jezebel, while you're plowing for your church? How do you deal with the spirit of Jezebel while you're plowing for your church? Plowing for your church? Plowing for revival? Yeah. Um, well, you got to deal with it. 
um, confront. Um, you got to understand your your scope of spiritual authority. Um, that's that's gained in the secret place. It's gained in the word. Um, you got to stand in that. Um, do not negotiate with Jezebel. Jezebel is not a gender. Uh, we've seen it in females and we've seen it in males. Um, it is a spirit. It is an ancient spirit, and it's talked about in the word for a reason. And this is a broad subject, but you've narrowed it down by asking how to deal with it. It must be confronted, and you don't back up. You do not negotiate. And you know, I don't know who's asking you this question, if it's a pastor or or not, but um, uh, either way, you have to confront it, and you have to confront it head on. And um, uh, one of the things that I heard someone say a few uh, years ago, you got to learn to recognize the different We've we've crossed thresholds over the years in dealing with that particular talk about in there, but um, but it's significant to understand that that is one of the primary pushbacks that you will get. And what we saw in our journey was pre-revival that was repetitive over and over and over. And as leaders, it would always make us feel insecure. It would make us doubt our call. It would make us doubt who we were. It would, you know, it would try to come in and counsel us and and it would try to come in and 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 negotiate with, you know, uh, you know, with us about things. And, you know, of course, the younger we were and the more naive in the ministry, you know, we we succumb to some of that. And um, I'm, I'm going to leave a, a, a billion things out here, but the Lord brought us to the year 2017. And I, I do want to tell this story real quick. Because you have to find your authority. If you're going to be uh, birth, build, and sustain revival, you have to find that authority. You have to know that authority. You have to walk in it. And coming against the spirit of Jezebel is one of the primary ones because it's so antagonistic against um, um, revival. But um, in 2017, which I call our year of authority for a couple different reasons, um, we were preaching into because the Lord had begun to give us more understanding of this spirit and this principality. And my goodness, this story is just so deep and involved. But he gave us confirmations during that year by bringing things up prophetically to me and to others that that would identify that spirit. To You have got to understand your authority over this right here. And especially as lead, lead pastors in this. And so... Um, I have been preaching the spiritual authority. He preached a message, and this is um, significant. It was on June the 11th of 2017. 11 is the number of transition, or you could say a threshold day. And um, the next day would have been June the 12th, obviously, which is governmental authority, as I just told you this morning. And that morning, um, I went to my closet, and I picked out a pair of shoes to wear and that I hadn't worn in a long time. Three years prior to this day, three or four years prior to this time, I had lost a set of keys that went to every single uh, door on our church property. And it was really inordinate that I had lost those keys because there was just no reason that I, you know, would have misplaced them. I looked everywhere, never did find them, never found the keys. Keys spiritually represent authority. Come on, stay with me. This is short, all right? Um, I've told it a million times, but this will answer the question. You have got to know your spiritual authority, and you must use it against Jezebel. And because if you don't, it will take it and use it against you. If you don't use your authority against Jezebel, it will take it. Notice I'm not calling it a gender. It will take it and use it against you. 
And so we needed to learn this because God was getting ready to expose this revival, Fresh Start Revival, to the nation. Come on, somebody. So we needed to learn this. So this is June the 11th, 2017. I go in my closet. I put the pair of shoes on. We go to church. My husband is preaching that morning. And in the context of the message, he addresses spiritual authority. And, and he, you know, whatever he said and however he said it, I, I can't quote. But in that moment, something broke, all right? We go back home. I go to the closet. I take the pair of shoes off. I look down in the shoebox, and right in the shoebox is the set of keys that I had lost three or four years earlier. That opened every single door. Look at me, y'all. Every single door to our property at our church. That, that spirit had been attacking our church for so long, shutting down, locking down, restricting access. And the Holy Spirit sent this perfect. I'm looking down because I didn't see the keys when I put the shoes on, all right? But the Holy Spirit hid them until he made the apostolic declaration that loosed the mouth of the prophetic declaration. Come on, because Jezebel wants the head and the mouth of the prophet. Come on. And, and I looked at those, and I went out to the to the living area, and I said oh, something like this. The Lord just gave us this sign. Kim, you have found the keys. Now use them and don't lose them. So that is the bottom line there. Use them and don't lose them. And he also went on to say, because this is this is thing. He went on to say, your preach is coming on me now. He went on to say, because that spirit wants to stifle, uh, uh, wants to kill revival, but it wants to stifle and, and put a cap on it. But he said, I, Kim, not only did you find the keys, use them and don't lose them, but I put them in the shoebox. You're given authority to nations. You're given authority to nations. The toleration of Jezebel or not tolerating Jezebel. You're giving authority to nations. If I hopefully, I'm kind of uh, badgering this, but you're given authority to nations. And what the Holy Spirit said is I put them in the shoebox because shoes also represent authority. And wherever the soles, Kim, of your feet go, I give you that territory because you have learned your authority over this principality. I'm telling you, you can birth revival, but if you want revival to expand, you got to learn to confront and deal with Jezebel. Put it in its place. That's right. I think Revelations 2:20 is part where you were at. And that's what the Holy Spirit put in my spirit. But why do you let that Jezebel who calls herself a prophet mislead my dear servants into cross-denying, self-indulging religion? I gave her a chance to change her ways, but she has no intention of giving up a career in the God business. I'm about to lay her low along with her partners as they play their sex and religion games. The bastard offspring of their idol whoring I'll kill. Then every church will know that appearances don't impress me. I x-ray every mo motive and make sure you get what's coming to you. I think that's the message translation. I think the key, it will try to attach itself primarily to your finances, to your worship, to your intercession. It will seek a platform. It will seek a seat. It will seek a position. So if you, if you recognize somebody's being ridden horseback by Jesse, and she comes in your church, okay, and I'm saying it's not a gender, could be a man, and they they watch those telltale signs. They want to control your finances. They want a position. They want a seat. They want a mic. They want to profilize. So, 
how I deal with it is I quarantine that spirit before I, I'll cast it out. If they're gonna if they're gonna be able to be set free, I'll cast it out. But I do not let it have a seat. Don't give it position. Not in your life. Not in the front of the church. Not on the mic. Not in inter- they love intercessory groups. Jezebel spirits love to get in. And I'm, I could talk, I could give you story after story of great leaders that have been pulled down from leadership, marriages that have crumbled because Jezebel was allowed to be in the intercessory groups. You have to cast that spirit out. I'll say it this way, throw mama off the train. Throw Jezebel down. Okay, this is probably our last question. Um, this session ends at 4, and it's 346. Um, when did you add personally or within the church? I'll just real quick, if you're not here to hear me speak. Um, I knew that I, my, personally I was in revival where um, I craved his presence and nothing else. Nothing else mattered. Um, it wasn't about really going to church, although I went to church all the time. I wanted to, I, I, I was standing in front of the doors waiting for the doors to open. But I also craved the word of God. I craved his presence. I wanted more. I wanted, I wanted, I wanted to find every book I could on revival and, 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 and just, just the word of God. I wanted more. I wanted, you know, I found credible pastors and leaders um, who've been in revival. I followed John Kilpatrick for many, 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 many years when I was younger, and, and, um, and I just, I, he, I just, and I listened to Steve Hill so much, and, and I just went, I, I went around people, other people also, who were in revival. I was careful about my associations. I wasn't just hanging around with everybody. I wanted to hang around people who loved Jesus, who was on fire. Um, if I hung around someone who wasn't, then I wanted to make sure I rubbed off on them. And so I knew when I, when I was in revival where I craved nothing more. I wanted more of the presence of God. Didn't care about football. Didn't care about basketball. Didn't care about the Super Bowl on Sunday. I wanted to be in the house of God. Your life changes when you have a personal encounter with the Holy God. It changes. And so that's how I knew. Uh, Continually. And, and watching how the people in our church pressed into that. And, and then watching transformation begin to take place in lives. A lot of people ask us that, well, what's the main manifestation? The main manifestation, other than just the weighty, heavy presence of God, is transformed lives. And it's watching, like we've already discussed, it's watching lesbians run to the altar and fall on their face and then get up a, a, an hour or two later, set free from lesbianism, set free uh, from drugs. Nobody touching them, nobody just in the presence of God. And, and then watching them grow and watching them serve and now watching them getting ready to get married. These things like this. See, so, and I'll be honest with you, even in the beginning, the very beginning stages, I would, keep, I would question it myself. Is this really revival? Is this really revival? And, uh, and, and the reason is for us because, it, you know, many times like, like, like a Brownsville, there's a, there's a moment, there's a, a day outpouring a day and and we were in some heavy stuff and uh, but what what we have seen is it began at a certain level and it was powerful and then it just has continually grown 
So there wasn't like this this marking moment where it was just outpouring. It's just it's just growing and growing and growing. And I felt the I felt the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, "What what if God does it different this time? What if it's not one of those one of those just humongous outpourings that marks everything and and a, and the revival stays kind of on that on that level? Don't despise the 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 the, the, the day of small beginnings because there may be a trickle, but if you feed that trickle." And you honor that trickle. It, it can grow and grow and grow and grow. And so that's for us. I felt like that's the way it was because some some of those revival nights I would walk away. Man, that just wasn't. I didn't think that was you know what you know everything revival is supposed to be. But but now after six years, we're seeing some amazing things and experiencing some amazing things. And that's why we don't expect it to stop because it can just keep growing and growing and growing. All right, well, um, we have four more questions here. It's 3.51, obviously. We'll go over uh, our time allotted for this session. But if, you, if you're one of the four who has a question, come um, grab your question from Pastor John, and um, we'll be able to answer those face-to-face. Um, I would like to say Pastor Kim and Pastor Paul do have a, have a um, short window of time to spend with you today. They have to leave at 5 today, so be, be aware of that time. But uh, I'll pass it over to John. Thank you, thank you. Can we give our friends a great big thank you? <clears throat> Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for today. We thank you for what you've done today. Father, we ask you to bless the rest of this day. We thank you, Lord, for tonight's meeting. Father, we thank you that you're going to move by your power. We thank you for Pastors Paul and Kim and for the Prison for Revival in Southeast Texas. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. We'll see you back. Doors open at 645, and we're going to have a good time in the Lord. We'll be here with your questions. If you're one of the four that didn't get your answer, come on up, and we'll, we'll talk about it.